In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. It's a Cleveland Browns win, and I'm feeling absolutely electric. What a great victory. I think Super Bowl after last night's performance. But anyway, I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright, right, right. Jack, you must be excited. Yeah, it's, it's, we're getting nearer to the games. Um, it was nice to sit there and watch what was... It's like the, the next rung down from a preseason game. It's like a... Pre, it, is it the XFL on steroids? So it's, it's a bit better than the XFL, but it's uh, it's not great. Um, it was a preseason game for the backups exclusively. Um, but no, it, it's football's back. Uh, we're nearly there. And um, we get closer to understanding what a final 53 might look like. So uh, only six spots open, as we discussed on the last podcast. But we're nearer. Jack, I'm not having that attitude. This is a big game. This was a big game last night and we, we won it. Okay. <laughs> we did win it. That was it was, good a, it was a big game in the sense that we had to represent the state of Ohio. You can't let the Jets come into Canton at Tom Benson Stadium, Fawcett Stadium, whatever you want to call it, and beat you in a Hall of Fame game. It's a meaningless game, as Jack said. And honestly, Jack, I prefer... I'm not having that. I prefer X of all games because there's more scoring. But at the end of the day, they needed to represent and win and I almost think Robert Sala threw uh, Kevin Stefanski a bone there in the second half. I was like, we really don't want to win this game. We'll let you guys win it because we know that Ian degenerately bet the Browns money line at halftime because I kind of figured we'd see in the second half what we saw from the quarterback we're going to talk about. So that was a nice plus 180 money line bet there. But anyway, guys, let's break this down position room by position room. Is that all good of you guys? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Offense, defense. And then we'll uh, we'll talk about the, the punters. Let's let's start with number one, the quarterbacks. Jack, how do you think the quarterbacks did? I was impressed by DTR. I thought there were some electric plays in there. Um, I think he's got the potential to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. And I'm not going to get ahead of myself. And I know some people, Owen Jones, saying, why not start in week one? Um, <laughs> but it's one where it, there is something there. But who knows what that becomes? You've seen more. And hey, it was the first active game with the Browns for both Kellermond and DTR. Um, but there, there is something. Um, what I'm more interested to see next week is whether he's ahead of um, Kellermond on the depth chart. Hopefully he is in terms of playing time. And I want to see more of him against better competition. That's going to be the key thing going on. And if he can keep taking strides forward... Hey, let, let's get it to an interesting conversation at roster cutdown where we're saying, do we need Dobbs there or is Dobbs potentially the third on the depth chart? And do we look at maybe a trade to the Titans or something like that down the line um, if something happens there? Options are open and uh, it was fun to watch. Not Kellen Mono, that wasn't fun. Yeah, I was going to say, we it was kind of the, the tale of two QBs in a sense. And listen, I'm not going to go in and start breaking down X's nose on this, but... 
you, the one thing that I think was a stark difference between the two was Helen Mond seemed hesitant and DTR seemed confident. You could tell it just the way they threw the ball. You know, I really like Stefanski coming out and giving Kellen Mond a couple easy screens, you know, short, quick, and easy completions. I mean, I think Mond only threw the ball downfield, like over 10 yards, I think three times, but so did DTR. So you could tell that Stefanski was working on the short game, and that's normal. But Mond didn't look confident. He looked like he was thinking too much. He looked like he was you know, trying to overcompensate instead of just letting the game come to him. You know, we talked a little bit in the pre-show, you know, ultimately we knew this was going to be like DTR, his sixth year of college eligibility. Most of the guys out there he played are of the college level that he's used to playing. You kind of knew he was going to be able to at least make some plays with his legs. I was shocked Kellen Mond didn't, but ultimately something we're going to talk about next. And that's the O-line. I thought the O-line did a fantastic job of giving both quarterbacks the opportunity to show what they're worth. But at this point, I would say that I saw more confidence and swag, quote unquote, that was the word of the day yesterday. God, you heard it 50,000 times out of DTR than you did out of Kellen Mond. So I think Mond needs to go back to practice this week. Trust his arm. This guy has an arm like he does. I've seen it at Texas A&M. He needs to show it off. DTR did. He popped a couple in there to the tight ends. But ultimately, Mond was really taking the checkdowns, was really just kind of not trusting what he was seeing. And I think they got to get that out of him. And then we got about two games left or else Kellen Mond's going to be looking for another team. Yeah, I think Mond's destined for a practice squad, whereas DTR's in a nice spot where he's playing with house money. He can do whatever he wants because he knows he's on the roster this year. Whereas Mond's going to be on a practice squad. I can't see him on a 53. Um, and that's just where he's got a battle for his future. Do you think we should um, bring someone else in to replace him in the practice squad or he's good cannon fodder? No, I'm perfectly fine with where we are. And it it's going to be a route where probably the three stay on the roster and Mond is waived and goes somewhere else. Maybe the Eagles practice squad. Maybe they yeah, won't go back to the Vikings. Um, but it will go somewhere else. And then the other route is if you traded Dobbs, I could easily see them waving Mond and then signing him to the practice squad and then you've got your two on the active, one on the practice squad, and that's the what you roll with. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's probably the route they go with. Awesome. Let's move on to the wide receiver room, which was quite exciting. Tillman looked great. I'm really intrigued to see how he develops. He instantly looked better than David Bell, um, which, from what I saw last night, just on their performance last night, we're not talking about Jack, last year's David they're Bell. two different receivers. They're not the same. They're receivers, though. They're they play the same position. They don't play the same position, though. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Cedric Tillman's a big body physical guy. That's not what you can't compare. You need to put David Bell in like the Jarvis Landry category. <laughs> like, but your I expectations say, need to come down for what he is. I'd say there's going to be times. Way, I'm also where, not saying that he was great. They'll play a lot where it's just two wide receivers out there. So you, you need to step up and be a contributor. And anytime you've thrown the ball, I, I liked what I was seeing. Um. Yeah, I'm keen to see more of what he provides. And if he steps forward, it's going to make me feel a lot better about Goodwin maybe not being a wide receiver for. Um, and so that's something I'm keen to see because Goodwin could be a big loss as that solid fourth wide receiver. Whereas can Tillman ju just go and go, hey, I'm fine. I probably won't play because I'm wide receiver four, but I'm here if you need me. And that's all yeah. I need him to get to. Ian, Ian, one point though, David Bell, third round pick. Cedric Tillman, third round pick. 
There Anthony Schwartz, Anthony Schwartz, third round pick. Yeah. None, none of them do the same thing. Schwartz's job is to obviously fumble and take the cover off the defense, right? Whoa. Uh, David Bell is an underneath route runner. He's a short and intermediate guy. And the easiest way to tell that is I think David Bell had two catches for six yards. Cedric Hillman had two catches for 35 yards. So Cedric Tillman, his job, and this is when we talked about the draft process, one of the things that interested me and I really liked him for the Browns was because of exactly what he did yesterday. He is a physical outside receiver, right? So if you're going to try to play press on him, that's fine. You you better be you better be strong because he has that size, that downfield contested, you know, catch type of body. David Bell needs to beat you underneath with quickness, with speed, with agility, with route precision. I don't need Cedric Tillman as a third round pick to be the Justin Jefferson of route running. I just need him to be physical. He's going to start at wide receiver five. He's going to slowly move his way up, right? He is literally your stepping stone from a Donovan Peoples-Jones to a Cedric Tillman, right? So that's kind of your natural progression. David Bell is your Z, your slot, your inside you know, I almost start looking at like Demetric Felton, you know, those type of roles where do I need David Bell in the slot or do I need to motion, you know, Demetric Felton or something like that out. But the guy that I actually liked and I want to see him, he better move up at least one spot. I want to see more Austin Watkins, 6'3", 210. He's a big physical receiver. He's got good hands on that slant. Obviously, it's easy. He caught a touchdown. But more importantly, there was a play earlier where he had slipped, maintained body control still to make the catch. So, I liked what I saw out of Watkins. I think his size also puts him Dalen Baldwin. I think had a little bit of an injury. So I'd like to see Watkins move up, take that spot just to see what you have in him. Not for the starting that you're looking practice squad, but ultimately Harley had the one drop, but otherwise he made the one nice catch over the middle. Uh, we can talk a little bit about the tight ends later. Anthony Schwartz. He's, I wouldn't be surprised oh, if he's gone. Oh boy. He, and listen, it was a nice end around, but he had the tiki barber. He chicken winged out the right arm and he opened up the backside of the ball. So he needs, they need to teach him to cover that backside with his elbow. So when that guy came in to punch the ball, basically what happens is the ball becomes a lever point from the back. So it comes out, you have the front of the ball, but the back end pivots around. He's got to protect that backside of the ball. He made one nice catch in traffic. The other one wasn't really a uh, towards him. Like I know he was, Supposed to be a target. I don't think he actually was. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he's got to take care of that ball. But I do think they're going to give him a couple more games just to see. I mean, Jack, with with uh, Marquise Goodwin out, I mean, what, what the hell do you have less, left to lose? Yeah, I would say one thing I really like with Tillman, he absolutely destroyed a guy um, where he runs and he stops and, mate, he just went flying. Well, what that is, is as a DB, you're taught to try to press, right? They're playing press man. That's the last thing. So as he's at the top of the route, DBs will grab your hands. It's, it's, it's not holding per se, but you try to make contact with the receiver because the receiver obviously has to move his upper body when he's going into a route. Well, Tillman wasn't creating separation, so he actually just does a downward karate chop down the field. So normally you do that at the line to try to break contact. He did that like 15 yards, and the problem was this guy's in a backpedal. He gets his hands blown away, and he just eats the dust. And the guy's like, wait a minute, like, why Why isn't this offensive PI? And the ref's like, well, because you were holding his hands. That's defensive holding. So that's actually the irony of it. But again, strong, physical. David Bell ain't doing that, right? That's a, that's a, that's a 6-3 receiver right there. Here we go, guys. Last question on the wide receivers. Do you think Austin Watkins, uh, Baldwin, or 
Darden make the roster? I still think Darden's the favourite, but he's got to get healthy and got to come out and show something. Maybe maybe some of them to make the uh, practice squad, yeah? Yeah, I, th- I think um, Watkins is looking promising for the practice squad. It's one game, but yeah. if he can continue showing that, I think he's got a great shot of landing there. Yep. Uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the tight end room. I didn't see a lot of what was going on at tight end. Um, Stinky. We, we know our three tight ends and none of these guys. I think they will be looking far and wide for um, putts and other guys to bring people in to their uh, practice squad because these guys ain't got it. What happened yeah. with all them basketball players that we signed? Well, the for... problem is they can't block for shit. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, hey, listen, and I think Jack's right. You're talking about in terms of the tight ends, the ones we saw last night. Uh, I don't mind Mitchell Payton. I really don't. I think if you're going to put a guy in this group in the, on the practice squad, he would probably be my favorite. Thomas Greeny just didn't look very physical to me. He kind of looked like a guy that was just enjoying being blown off the, you know, the ball a little bit on the blocking side of things. He probably is more of a pass catcher in college. I'm not going to pretend that I'm familiar with, you know, his time up at Albany. But at the end of the day, I think that was a position where the depth, when we've said it in the offseason, Jack, we don't have a lot of depth at tight end. So when you took out Bryant, Akins, and Nujoku, it showed, will it really matter? If one of those guys goes down, there's, you know, old Mother Hubbard's got nothing in the cupboard. Okay, cool. Maybe we can bring a free agent in if that happens. Um, the O-line. Uh, how did that look last night? I know that one of our guys was out there for... Most of the snaps, all the snaps. Every snap. Dewan Jones played every single snap. Yeah, I think he played what seventy four, seventy four. Yeah, it was yeah. all seventy four snaps. So I've tweeted out the snap counts. If you're looking for them, go check my Twitter. They're there. Um, I, I think wasn't uh, Whipler and Schwartz were like two of the top three too, right? They yeah. were up. I saw Schwartz was like sixty. I think you put in there seventy four percent. I think of snaps. Yeah. yeah. Right, um, do you want me to start on the O line or do you want to start, Jack? I'll do a piece on Dewan Jones first, and then I'll let, I'll let you carry on. So Dewan Jones started at right tackle, um, Hudson at left. And my first thought is, that's a shame. I want to see him at left tackle. But have it, having slept on it, the key thing, if we're looking at the left and right tackle, Wills, both of them have got guarantees for the next two years, so they're expected to play out the two years. Who's likely to miss the most time in the next two years is Conklin. The chances of Conklin playing 17 games in either season is pretty low. Um, he's going to end up missing time most likely. So getting him ready for any time he steps in and he can go out there and play that right tackle spot, I'm really happy with. And in two years' time, you can decide. If he's looking really good at right tackle, just leave him there and we'll go and search for that left tackle answer rather than extending wills. Probably cost you around $19 million a year. It's terrifying. Um but that, that's a nice spot. If What, fourth-round pick in the end, was he? Juan Jones? Yes, yeah. fourth, yeah. fourth round. Yeah. If you get a fourth-round pick and he spends two years as the backup right tackle and then two years starting, that is a phenomenal return. And there's an insane picture where he has stood next to Dunn, who is 6'5". And Dunn, it looks like me standing next to Ian. Listen, go back and look at him in college. I'm telling you, I watched every Ohio State plays. He would stand in a college huddle and you're just like, the best is, you know, Ohio State, you're talking Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and the Jigba. You're talking Mecca Abuka. You're talking like NFL receivers. They don't come up to his shoulder pads. And he's like, and these are guys that are big. Yes. Now, in saying that, you good, Jack? 
you you on your all right. By far, my game ball goes to every offensive lineman. This was the best position group on offense. I thought they had they give they gave each quarterback time in the pocket. They gave great rushing lanes. I'm not I'm not going to just say that the years and years of experience of Bill Callahan have led me to believe this, but this man can make the most chicken salad out of chicken shit from a guard position I've ever seen. I thought Gossett played good. I thought Forbes played good. I thought Dunn played good. That Wes Martin guy we got from the Redskins, he played well, number 67. I thought Whipler, seeing him out there, the interior of the O-line, I thought Nick Harris, I got really worried on the first play when I saw him go down to the screen. I'm like, please get up, buddy. But at the end of the day, I thought the interior offensive line played as good as you're going to find. I saw no major mess-ups. I saw none of that stuff. Hats off to 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 Bill Callahan because with what he did in that interior O line, I thought was just very impressive. They had great counters, ISOs. They were hitting it on the outside. They were hitting it on the inside. I thought the interior O line was very good for the tackles. Dewan Jones, for a guy that they talked about conditioning issues, I think Stefanski sent a message there. He could say in the post game, "Oh, it's a numbers," and I think he specifically was talking about the Tyrone Wheatley guy that they ended up having to sit. And that's probably would have taken a little bit of um, Dewan's snaps out, but they wanted to send a message. And again, it is harder to go around Dewan Jones than it is to go through him. So understandably on that right side, if I have a right-handed quarterback, having him making that big long loop is very beneficial because you can run right inside of them. In saying that also, I thought James Hudson played really well. He was out there against, you know, quote unquote, the first teamers for this game. So he was going up against, you know, the Jermaine Johnsons, a few guys from the Jets that won't be bagging groceries. But I thought Hudson played well. I thought that. um, What's his name? Uh, Dewan Jones played well. And there was a guy that came in. He played, I think, the last third and fourth quarter. His name was Hunter Thedford. I had to look this guy up. I never heard of him before. He went to Utah. He's a rookie. There was one play that everybody will notice. It was the spin move on the third down where the basically the guy set him up, spanned to the inside, and then uh, rushed DTR to make the throw, and the Browns end up having a punt. Outside of that, I thought he run blocked really well. He moved pretty well. So, Jack, we asked for it. We got it. The offensive line was giving these running backs room to run all day, and they were giving the quarterbacks time all day to throw. I, I just I was super, super impressed at that offensive line overall. Yeah, I think everything was really good. Um, the starting line was done. Forbes, the second guard. Yeah, it was um, It was Nick Harris, Dunn and Forbes, Hudson and Jones. That was your starting five. Yeah. And then... So they brought in the second team. It was Wes Martin, Whippler. Gossett. Uh, Hunter Thedford was your left tackle. And Gossett, yeah, Gossett, yeah. you're right. He Gossett was your right guard. Whippler's in the middle. Wes Martin was your left guard. Uh, right tackle, obviously, was Dewan Jones, and left tackle was uh, Thedford. But yeah, between first, second, and third team, kind of quote unquote, obviously, Dewan being this uh, the mainstay, and I think Whippler took all the second and third team. So they tried to. It looks like they gave what I think your snap counts were in the 30s for most 30, 40 for most of the line. So they wanted to give each of them probably half the snaps. Overall, yeah, they, though, fantastic. If we're looking at PFF grades, the... Oh, they um, are, are they out? Yeah, so we haven't got everything all in one format yet, but 
the best offensive grade is just a litany of offensive linemen. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I believe that. Absolutely dominated that. it. So, um, yeah. You basically got like Gossett, West Martin, Dunn, Hudson, DTR, Watkins, Whipler, Thetford, Nick Harris, Duan Jones. <laughs> so, so all 10 of them? Um, basically, you got DTR and and listen in saying that Watkins that is it that is an offensive lineman in the top 10 Gossett Martin and Dunn are all veterans for the most part you know right they've played in these systems so it isn't shocking but you could just tell they knew what they were doing their pulls were good they were just getting to the holes I mean there was running backs that were going two three yards downfield before even making contact I mean it'd be third and three and they'd get five so even in the red zone uh Jack they were just pounding the Jets down and you could tell they were just laying on those offensive linemen. So I, in watching it real time, I, I haven't seen the PFF grades, but in real time, I was like, this is an absolute mauling in the, in the trenches. Yeah. No, it's, Speaking it's, of that with the running backs, what'd you see? So I didn't feel as desperately need for a free agent as I did before the game. I, I okay. still think there is a strong case to go out and sign someone cheap, but I think all three showed something so start with john kelly who i thought was re- really nice in what he did it was nothing special but it's one that he, he for me is the perfect guy to be your practice squad running back because if you have a running back go down in the season he knows the scheme you can call him up straight away and he can do a job he is very serviceable and it's like you can go out into free agency and find serviceable at that position, there's not many positions. You will easily get serviceable, plug and play. But running backs, one, and John Kelly for me is that spot. The one interesting thing I did note, and a slight different opinion on it, I know from yourself, was zero special team snaps, which does concern me because if you're only going to carry three running backs on the roster, running back three is going to have to play a lot of special teams. They won't actually really play much offense other than maybe gimmicky packages sort of stuff. Yeah, I think in talking about Kelly, he's the perfect poor man's Nick Chubb, right? He's a one-cut runner, foot in the ground, get uphill. Um, I think we saw that mostly. I didn't see Kelly going as much wide. I felt like they just kept him in between the tackles for the most part when they needed those power runs. I thought his yards after contact, he seemed like he was, I was telling you, like even Felton, who we'll get into a little bit, I mean, Kelly was pushing the pile, right? And again, I get it. We're talking Hall of Fame game, so, you know, just hold any criticisms of, oh, he's not going against Aaron Donald. Yeah, you're right. I know that. But at the end of the day, like he's going up against his peers. So seeing him being able to drive a defensive lineman, you know, that's got him by 30 or 40 pounds shows he's that downhill one cut runner. I do think he struggled a little bit in pass pro just off of my naked eye. I felt like there was a little bit of times where um, if I'm not mistaken, there was one on Hudson where the guy was in a spin move. Hudson disengaged to let, uh, Kelly do the chip and Kelly ended up just hitting Hudson and the guy got a rush. It was like, all right, we got to We got to iron this out. I know Jackson McCurry and I were kind of going back and forth that. And then they showed a replay. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what the hell Kelly was doing. Um, but overall, the thing I don't worry about in special teams is, is if they went to Kelly and said, Hey, you're going to be the starting running back. We want to see some of these other guys. Cause let's be honest, Jack, they're going to start moving some of these guys on and off the roster. And if they already have a role for him on specials, which I think he's played special team snaps in the past. So it's not like he's never played special teams. I think it's one of those things where if now come this next game or week three, so to say game two, he's still not playing specials. I will completely come on your side of the fence and say that he in fact needs to 
get out there because he deserves no value. But ultimately, I maybe wonder if they're already telling him like, you're more, you're more not going to be our third down back anyways. So this is could be something where they're just trying to line him up for the practice squad. It's one that we can track. I think Felton is somebody that. Again, I think electric's a fair word. When he gets the ball, he does stuff with it. Um, he's not quite a wide receiver. Um, he's not quite fully a running back. But if you're the third running back on the depth chart, that's exactly what you want. You want a bit of, hey, we need you to go play some running back and receiving, or we're going to line you as the second running back with Nick Chubb. But actually, what we're planning to do is play 11 personnel here, and you're going to go move into the slot. Um, so have that flexibility um, to move things around. So I, I think it's a, it's a really nice setup. Um, he's potentially able to provide. Um, he, he did. He showed his value where if a lot of times teams believe when you go into those third down packages that it's primarily a pass situation. He showed you that he's shifty enough to where you can't rule out a draw on third and seven, right? I thought he was the one that probably impressed me the most in the running back room. He showed shiftiness. He showed burst. We knew he was fast. If remember a couple of years ago, the senior bowl, Jack, he was like the fastest clocked player or whatever it is. He shows that sudden acceleration, that burst. There was a couple times where he was able to leak out the backside and, you know, turn it into a decent gain. I mean, I think he averaged, you know, six, six yards a carry or something like that. Um, but he also showed that he, after contact, can break tackles, can continue on. And ultimately, I think they'll use him a little bit more in the future in the passing game because I think he caught, caught a couple of screens. But at the end of the day, I think he's your mole of a third down back and I don't see anybody else on the roster that's really going to compete with well, that third down role an interesting one I would just note that Hassan Hall was the first returner I know he muffed yeah. it um, <laughs> you were but... applauding weren't you you're like ah oh, take the knee take the knee buddy he got the knee it was results over process <laughs> yes. thank god for those shoulder pads doink but um it, Paul's that... looking at us like damn it I wanted to see an opening kickoff return for a touchdown that I thought was noteworthy because running back three is going to be a big special teams role. And that goes there. Yeah. Paul, were you saying something? Your red mute on. Awkward. Um, yeah. I think when was the last time we had a um, kick return? It feels like ages. Uh, Travis Benjamin, I think on the punt and Josh Cribs, I think is on the kickoff. No preseason warrior. Oh, remember? Damian Giuseppe, whatever his name Thank is. Thank you. She he, she he Giuseppe. But if you remember right, Paul, after the game, Odell actually said that the, he did the punt return because uh, she he just Giuseppe did it in his shoes. So because Odell was the greatest teammate to ever live, like there's never been a teammate. Odell's like the Trump of teammates. Like there's never been anything better. Just ask him. He'll tell you. And since he gave him the shoes, Odell actually returned that punt just for the record. Paul. There we go. Um, all right, guys, I think we've got a very good uh, overview of last night's games. Just the last question before. Who's your, we... who's your game ball, Paul? On offense. Uh, tough question. Um, from someone sitting down in the sofa watching, I would give it to the uh, quarterback, to be honest. Um, DTR. Jack? Yeah, I agree there. I think he's definitely the one deserving. I'm giving it to the O-line. You're all getting game balls, boys. So, sorry, Paul, what were you saying? No, um, yeah, just to, just to finish up, um, just to finish it up, um, 
Anything from yesterday that's changed any of your views of who's making the roster? On the offensive side, I don't think anything's changed as such, but Felton is looking more solid and Forbes is looking more solid. I think we'll call it st- stock up, stock down. So stock yeah. up on Forbes and Felton. Who was stock down for you, Jack? I don't think anyone's stock went down because well, if anything, Dob, Dobbs. I, I I now think there's more of a if your stock can't go down if it's already zero. Um, I just don't. I think you could now see a legitimate route where they trade him off or something else, yeah. or he drops to QB three for the season. And I didn't realistically think that was possible. Yeah, I, I think obviously for us, this this Watkins was a guy. I think he improved his stock. Uh, Dewan Jones, Tillman, but ultimately I think Kellen Mond, Schwartz, and even the tight ends. I mean, I think all of them just kind of proved that it's the answer is not probably in the locker room yet for that for that tight end developing four, so to say. So. Yeah, that's what I would say. I would say that the few guys, it'll be interesting to see how much momentum is carried over. You know, I thought Stefanski said something pretty interesting yesterday and said, listen, don't discount it at all. If guys go out and make plays in games, it doesn't it doesn't matter what, what the game is, who they're playing against. And I think he's right. I think ultimately, if you're a guy that you can show up, you know, we'll talk about a few of these guys uh, tomorrow on defense. If you're a guy that can show up and make a play, it, I don't care if you're doing it up against the grocery baggers or the future stockbrokers. It doesn't matter. Go out there and make a play. Some guys did, some guys didn't. And, you know, we're going to get to see now some real competition. They got a couple decent, you know, depth teams coming up. So it's going to be a good test. And DTR did exactly what we thought he was going to do. And I appreciate, again, my plus 180 money line bet coming through. DTR, mad props, brother. All right, guys, let's uh, wrap this show up. Next show, let's talk about defense. Go Browns. Go Go Browns. Browns.